You're listening to the Max Level Podcast for January 28th, 2019. On today's show, the crew goes in-depth with Survived By and Resident Evil 2 Remake. They discuss the massive news that Nintendo has pulled Metroid Prime 4 from Bandai Namco and given the reins back to Retro Studios. What does this mean? We try to figure that out. They try to make sense of Kingdom Hearts with the lore refresher before Kingdom Hearts 3 drops tomorrow. All this in the usual segments on today's episode of the Max Level Podcast. On with the show. That makes me think of those funny jokes from WoW that you're still trying to figure out. It's been like, what, 20 years? When did WoW come out? 2004? 2004? Yeah. 15 years? It's like, how does a tauren hide in a cherry tree? He paints his hooves red. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> huh? What happened? I'm still, I feel dumb, but I'm still trying to figure that out. It's time once again for Max Level, a video game podcast found right here at Level Down Games, where we do our very best to make sense of everything that happens each week in the industry, talk about the games we've been playing, and have a ton of fun. I'm Brian, and with us today over here on my right, we have the results of what you would get if you crossed a heartless and a nobody. It's Frank. Hey, guys. <laughs> and to my other right this week, he's returning once again. We have the leader of the true Organization 13. It's Shanti. Hey, guys. Good Xehanort expression or uh, impression. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's my uh, Billy Zane voice. <laughs> <laughs> Special shout out to Dance with the Dead for allowing us to use their music for our videos. Everyone absolutely needs to go check these guys out and support their music. They can be found on Bandcamp, Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, pretty much everywhere. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. And I probably should change the terminology for that because not everything is a video anymore. Uh, don't forget to head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us. Leave that five-star rating and a review so we can continue to climb the charts in terms of search results. And remember, since Max Level and Level Down Games is entirely self-funded as a passion project, you can directly support the show and the brand through one or all of the affiliate links listed in the description of the podcast. Thanks in advance if you choose to do so. We're going to transition now into some campaign games. And if you're new to the show... Campaign games is where we take a deep dive into the games that we've been playing over the past seven days. Frank, you played a bunch of smaller games. so You're kind of choosing to withhold everything that you do or that you played until we get to Tasty Treats here in a little bit. Correct. But Sean, you and I played a game together over the past two weeks that I want you to talk about first. And let's let's really dive into because it's an interesting game that I think has a lot of flaws, but there's some promise there. Yeah. You okay? we saw this on the Game Awards, did we not? It was. It was something like that. Yes, it was. It was one of those conferences recently where they had like a trailer and it was like it, it's a free to play game. It's called Survived By. Yeah. So, OK, we watched the trailer together and we were stoked because it looked like every time you stepped out of the fortress, you got your head blown off and you had to start over. Right. 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 Didn't we play this game for a solid like 20 minutes before either one of us really died? Yeah, you. I didn't die at all. <laughs> well, OK, <laughs> balls to the wall, I died. But when we were actually playing, yeah, yeah you, after you, we very, got bored. you very much reminded me of how Frank chooses to play games sometimes, just running in and <laughs> just no care. That's the no. most fun way to play the game. You have to, man. It's, OK, if you play the game for 20 minutes and you're already bored, you just got to go guns blazing. Agreed. Agreed. And I'm glad I did. I feel like that's the way to play the game. Yeah. What are we on? Uh Rastakhan Booty Toot the Fourth. Okay. For, for, those of you, for those of you who don't know about Clan Booty Toot, let me tell you. First, 
Emilio Bootytoot was the founder, but his son Rastakan Bootytoot, he was the emperor for what, like 28 minutes? And so, then something I, like that. I died to some stupid slime ball running around. Okay. Survive by is really cool. Um, <laughs> it's, it sounds already. It sounds insane already. Yeah, it's it's um it's what it's like a Ragnarok online type feel to it. You run around, you just basically shoot two abilities and the mobs just endlessly come at you. There's very much no story content, no direction. You just go out there and go for it. So if you don't have a friend to play with, this game is actually kind of boo boo. Yeah, it's not it's not nearly as fun single player, but with a with a companion, it's actually quite entertaining now. Granted, if your single player experience is trying to catch up to your friend who didn't die, then it's great. Sure. Yeah. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it is kind of like a shared world experience because there are other people running around there. They're like small server shards, so to speak. I think we saw, man, like 20 or so people on ours at like peak time or something. I can't remember exactly how many people we ran across, but it, it felt like probably around 20 or so because it would, we would go a while without seeing anybody. And then we just run into like a group of people. And people definitely kind of like segment off into their own. You know, you could definitely tell, hey, these guys are playing together. Yeah, it's cool. There's no real way to really communicate with people. They're gone before you can type something out. Um, also, what I thought was really crummy about the game is there's a lot of customization. When you open the game, you can only play as three classes. And then all of the other ones you have to pay to unlock, even though the oh, game's in early access or something like that. Yeah, it's a, it's in early access at the moment, but it is a free to play game. So I get the I get the mentality behind that because a lot of free to play games lock content behind paywalls so that way they can make money. But when the game's in early access, you think they give you a little bit more freedom to check things out. Because what what if there's a bug or something that they can't fix? <laughs> I know. And and here's the crummy part. When you read that everything that you spend goes to the development of the game, you you honestly get turned off. Right. You know, it, it would be funny if it was a released game to see how many people actually paid in because there were actually people running around with like new skins and different things. And I kind of just was wondering how someone would actually waste their money on that. When the game's clearly not done. So anyways, it was fun. Not I'm not crapping on the game. No, it's, de- it it's definitely right. it's definitely an interesting game that I do want to, you know, jump back into with you in the future, because I feel like there's still some stuff that we haven't done there. And there's actually quite a bit of content that we didn't do. I mean, even with our like, oh, I think we, we spent probably two hours one night playing this over the past couple of weeks. Um, you know, we just we rarely are able to link up and play games together, but we were able to at one point over the past two weeks since the last time you were on the show. And I think that there's a lot of content that we didn't see because in the two hours that we spent, we only explored a small sliver of that map. Now, gr- granted, we kept running back and forth over the same area because <laughs> we couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I don't know. It, it feels like the map is just. A whole lot of busy space. Like there's just you just walk over things for the sake of doing it. There's no destination. There's no nothing. And yeah, but there are dungeons. There are like things you can go in and do. Now, the the one that we did find, it was a kind of like a single player experience dungeon because you and I couldn't go in it together. True. But I do know that there are dungeons that you can go in together, because if you remember, like before we stopped playing, I found this like area underneath this tree that led into underground. And there was like a ton of portals down there that led off to different sections Ooh, and dungeons. Not, no, 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 no. But <laughs> different sections 
that were all gated off behind level 25. So I think level 25 is like the max level right now and survived by. And once you get to that, the true end, you know, the true end game starts. But <laughs> the the hard thing about that is you have to actually get there, because if you die, you literally start over with a fresh character with no gear and any everything except for like one piece of equipment that you carry over from the character that died. Yeah, and it's true. I mean, I'm on my fourth generation right now, and I think the highest we got was like level 10 or 12 or something like that. I am level 12. Yeah, so. Yeah, I, I'm still on the first generation LDG. Uh, LDG is LDG is the clan for me. And uh, Geppetto is the founder. So Geppetto LDG. Hey, old boy's getting up there, though. Yeah, man, he's trying to find Pinocchio. So I think he's starting to use like a little walker or a rascal now. Yeah. So I'm hoping that he can survive long enough to, uh, you know, to see to see Pinocchio become a real boy. But if, if not, I mean, you know, there will there'll be other Geppettos and other. He, LDGs. he wants his real boy. He wants to grow up to see his real boy become a real man. Exactly. Exactly. He's and a I, man. <laughs> going William Regal, dude. But uh, <laughs> maybe maybe in the future, you know, Geppetto will, will get to level 20. Ooh, I hit that. We'll get to level 25. And, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen there. So I do want to jump back into this and see exactly what the end game is going to be like, because that could be totally different. It might be a ton of fun. I have no idea. Well, the first date's always awkward, right? You got to give it another shot. Yes. If yeah. by like three or four, it's not working out, then maybe it's time to cut ties. But three or four shots or three or four dates, three or four dates. Oh, OK, OK. But I guess that could apply to the game as well. I mean, if you <laughs> played it four times for a couple hours apiece and you're not having fun, don't waste your time. Play a different game. Yeah, <laughs> I think it would be fun with a lot of friends, but you have to go ham. There's no way if you play cautious, you're going to be sitting there going, OK, so well, what I'm, are we talking I'm, about? I'm now? playing as the archer, so I literally just have to stand back and shoot things it's it's fun hey, speaking you, of classes yeah the the alchemist is really fun i think it's worthwhile to die a couple times and try them out if you haven't really been satisfied oh okay yeah 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 Yeah, i think that the archer's awesome and the infiltrator's okay but the alchemist really suits my playstyle more so maybe i won't right so in, in, in layman's terms i mean an infiltrator is a rogue Yes. And an alchemist is basically like a mage. <laughs> More or less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, he throws it's, like the, it's the closest thing we can get potions. to a mage. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of ice balls and fireballs, you're getting you're throwing potions and stuff. But here's the <laughs> dumb part. And this is probably the last part I'll talk about. There's like nine classes in the game. There are. Yeah. And some of them seem really fun. Why do I have to pay to play? The, OK, I'm only playing like 30 percent of the classes. Right. How do you hook someone on a game where you can only let them play three of the nine classes? I know it's kind of shitty. Have you, have you, have you ever heard of Street Fighter Five? <laughs> <laughs> How's that game working out for you, Frank? I haven't gone back to it. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that a, game, a company like Capcom can churn out something amazing like Resident Evil or Mega Man and then they crap out with Street Fighter Five? Yeah. And that's a good transition for me if you're done with Survive By because. Uh, yep. The one of the main games I want to talk about this week is, of course, Resident Evil 2 Remake, which uh, I want to I want to give a special shout out to Family Video. And if you have a local rental store in your area, Frank, I know you don't. And I'm not sure what's up there in Washington State, Sean. I don't know if you guys have rental stores in the area or not. We have trees. OK, trees. Yeah. Redwoods. Yeah. Well, that's California. But still, it's about it. Yeah. yeah. If you have a local rental store like a family video or like anything that used to exist, like the blockbusters and that kind of stuff, support them from time to time. I don't. 
I don't go there often, but every now and then I choose to to go there and still just rent things from time to time to hopefully keep them in business. Now, unfortunately, Capcom was not able to send us a copy of Resident Evil 2 Remake in order for us to do coverage of it or review. And because right now funds are very limited for me, I had to choose between buying Resident Evil 2 Remake or Kingdom Hearts 3. So I chose the route of Kingdom Hearts 3 and went out to Family Video on a Friday morning as soon as they opened and, and picked it up. And they had two copies in stock. Now, what's really cool about Family Video is that they generally get copies of everything that releases. So if, uh, you know, if there's something I ever can't afford to buy, I know I can go there and, and generally pick it up and, and rent it for like five days for seven dollars. So it's not bad. So I want to give them a special shout out for uh, having Resident Evil 2 remake for me so I can check this out. <laughs> but I spent a better part of the day that it came out this past Friday playing through it after I finished Kingdom Hearts, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, um, which is the, the game that I played the most this past week. But I'm not going to talk about it right now because we're doing something on Kingdom Hearts here in a little while. But it was amazing to me how great Resident Evil 2 Remake is. So when the reviews came out earlier this week, I, I generally try to avoid reading through the reviews because I don't want someone else's experiences to formulate my own opinions before I get to the game. But I do like looking at like the, you know, the aggregate of scores on like Open Critic or Metacritic and seeing what people thought of the games and what publications thought of the games and Frank, do you remember when we talked about IGN plagiarizing that one review a couple months back? Yes. Uh, there was another thing with IGN this past week with their Resident Evil 2 remake that uh, the reviewer, who was Damon Hatfield, who I respect a lot. Damon's been in the industry for a while, but he mistakenly played through a section of the game twice and didn't realize it. So because, you know, in, in Resident Evil 2, there's two characters you play as um, Leon and Claire. And, you know, there's different endings you can get based on who you're playing as. So he chose he played through the game as I think Leon and then started a new game and played as Claire. And in the review, he wrote, you know, it was kind of disappointing to me to see that when playing, you know, the different characters, the, the story is largely the same. But what he didn't realize is that you have to click on a new game, second run and then choose the character to get the rest of the story. Yeah. So and he, when he oh, wrote the review, I see. Okay, okay, okay. So yes, it, just... it, it was an honest mistake, but when their review was published, they had to then retract like three or four paragraphs that he had written about that. And then they also had to adjust the score because he missed a total, the second half of the game. <laughs> so, so uh, it was a kind of unfortunate to see that. Yeah, man, Sean, I was talking to, to you about this a little bit before we, before Frank jumped into the call. I really am impressed with how resident evil two is looking and running with 2019 standards. Because this game back in the day, a lot of people considered Resident Evil 2 like the best of the best. It was the best Resident Evil experience besides four. Some people like it even more than four. And now to see it fully realized with, you know, modern technology, complete 4K resolutions, HD graphics. I mean, this game is a stunner and this game is gorgeous. Can I jump in on this real quick? Yes, please, because I know you've okay. seen some stuff on it. You watched. Uh, yeah, you watched our buddy Kyle play it for, for a little while, too, so. Which, by the way, Kyle is streaming under the moniker Bruce Deduce. Long yes, story. Yes, um, yes. Which we're going to be diving more into here very soon yeah. in the coming weeks because we're going to be working with him a lot. So. So I watched him play it and there's a couple things that I picked up on uh, first facial animations. Right. So in the cinematics and stuff, it seems like Claire and Chris or Leon, um, they just <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting my my get, lore get, mixed up. Get your residuals crossed. <laughs> uh, my 
the beautiful men confusion is going on in my mind here. They're they're always stunners in Resident Evil. There's not one ugly person. Um, no, absolutely so, not. Except for the zombies. <laughs> except for the zombies. Yes. Yes. Except for uh, what tyrant or whatever. Yeah. But he's got really nice eyes. Um, beautiful. Kindness. Okay. <laughs> I don't like how they're not shaken right now. Like, what's with the flirting? It's Armageddon. Things are on fire. There's zombies. And all of a sudden you guys are like, hey, I'm going to smile at you. Like, <laughs> there is no time for it's flirting a happy right dis- now. It's a happy distraction from <laughs> what's going on. No, no, there's not. <laughs> Anyways, um, that bugged me. And then the graphics are awesome. Fantastic. It makes some of the gameplay elements look a little silly now. The game looks so realistic and so cool. And then you're running around trying to find a lion medallion. Like, right. Like things, things that you would never expect to see. I think it just brings to light the fact that the game is so puzzle heavy. It's actually not just one of those zombie shoot 'em up survivals. Yeah, and that's what a lot of people forget about Resident Evil 2 is how heavy it was on puzzles and exploration back in the day on the PlayStation. They carried over a lot of things. Now, they did change a lot of things for Resident Evil 2 Remake. You know, they changed story elements. They changed the way that, you know, the game progresses. There's things happen in a certain, in a different order, and they added story elements to it. But they also kept a lot of things, like literally having to examine Everything that you pick up to maybe pick up on a on a clue for a puzzle or to find out that this key unlocks the storage door or to figure out exactly what you need to grab or, you know, what is this fuse for? So you have to literally examine the items before it'll tell you what exactly it is and what it does. So that's kind of cool. But at the same time, it's also a very I don't want to say outdated gameplay mechanic because some games do still use it. But it's very rare to see that in a modern release nowadays. It's, it's antiquated. Correct. Correct. Frank, are you going to play this? You liked this game back in the day. I I really do. In fact, uh, we were mentioning just like how the graphics were. It just the first thing that popped into my mind was and I'll never forget this. I was playing Madden on the GameCube. Sure. Totally the same as Resident Evil. Well, just bear bear with me here. Uh, And friends are like, oh, my God, it's like actually watching TV. It's so realistic. And now when you look at where, where, where that is and where we are now. Yeah. It's 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 amazing. Most of my Resident Evil playing was actually on the GameCube. Yeah, with four, most and mostly four, and then like zero. zero and the remake and all that kind of stuff, which came yeah. out on the GameCube. Yeah, yeah. So I do want to check this out because I love me some puzzle games, and Resident Evil is actually, like you said, pretty puzzle heavy. Yeah, especially two. I th- two might be one of the ones that's the most puzzle heavy, which is cool at the same time. But I think this has to beg the question now because of how how great these reviews are and how, you know, widely beloved this game is actually becoming now with modern fans and even old school Resident Evil fans. But now a whole new generation is getting to experience this game and it's selling from what I can tell like crazy. So many people are streaming it on Twitch. Do we think they might pull the trigger now on on doing a remake of Resident Evil three because they already have Resident Evil one now two? can we maybe get a three? And I think they'd have to stop at three. I don't think four technically needs a remake because four still looks good enough as it is. But three could really use a remake as well. Hey, which um, which Resident Evil was on the Wii? The best one on the Wii was what was it was called Umbrella Academy or? Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Wasn't that the one where you had to point the Wiimote around and like shoot things? It, That's yeah, exactly it, where I'm going. I avoided that. I avoided that because I didn't like motion <laughs> controls and we know this. <laughs> I only bought that game because uh, I had the Lynx crossbow training and I wanted to use that thing for something else. <laughs> nice. So where are we My going with this, Sean? Is, yeah. Do, do we see Resident Evil make its way onto the Switch? 
if they're going to remake RE games. Absolutely. Do we see that happen? How awesome would that be? Absolutely. I think it's going to happen that there will be. And there was already talk of and I do believe in Japan it already exists. If at least I'm, if I'm thinking correctly, if I remember correctly, but Resident Evil 7 already is running or does run on the switch using cloud technology. I think it Ooh. is. So much like how they released Assassin's Creed Odyssey over in Japan on the switch, they can leverage the, you know, the power of the cloud to steal a line from Microsoft to, to get these games running on the switch and still lo- looking close to their counterparts on PS4 and Xbox one. I would have been highly tempted to play that game. Had it released on the switch. Right. Well, cause you have a switch. You're, you're a switch guy. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the idea of taking your games with you on the go is, is it's, it's a huge plus. It's, a, it's amazing. Absolutely. I agree. So I'm going to obviously power through this. It's going to be one of the main games I finished this week. Cause I haven't had a chance to, I haven't even finished one playthrough yet. And you definitely have to finish it four times to see the whole story. So I'm going to be powering through this over the next several days before Kingdom Hearts three gets here to try and get this finished up because once that arrives on Tuesday, I won't be doing anything else. So that's done. But well, you also don't want to play any late fees to family video. Correct. Yeah, I got to take it back by Wednesday. <laughs> 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 that is entirely true. Uh, the other game that I want to quickly mention here is I finally got a chance to jump into the Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition this week because I finished Tales of Berseria. So. I now, as I mentioned before, I never experienced this game when it originally released on the Xbox 360. I had seen videos of it. I had watched people play it and I had, you know, obviously seen a lot of people put up videos on YouTube and even stream the game modernly on Twitch through because people really do like this game. And I could see why now this is a fantastic tales. Uh, so far, I'm liking it more than Symphonia, which was in my top three tales games. So I really do think that uh, that I missed out with this game by skipping it on the Xbox 360 because I was waiting for the PS3 version, but that never eventually released here in the US. So. But this really and what's cool about this is so the Tales of Symphonia team, which released Symphonia on the GameCube, they only made three Tales games. They made Tales of Symphonia. Tales of Asperia and Tales of the Abyss, which if you look at like ranking like lists and videos for people that like rank their favorite Tales games, those three games oftentimes are one, two and three, because this team, for whatever reason, just knew exactly what fans wanted and what people wanted to play in a Tales game. So I'm, I'm enjoying it, man. Sean, you said you might you were kind of interested in this, did you not? Yeah, so games have to really hook me if I'm going to do it because I've been burned lately. I think when we bought Conan, we played it for a total of like seven hours. <laughs> yeah, Conan, Conan was fun for a short while, but right. then it, and then it got very boring. Yeah. And, and that's my like, that's my scar right now that just still hasn't healed. Right. I don't want to pay full price for a game if I don't want to commit to it. And I, and I like replay value. You know, if I'm going to play a game, has the story and the gameplay experience been good enough to other people to draw me right that i think that's the part where i'm so hesitant otherwise i'd buy this game. right 100 percent. and that's what's cool about rpgs is that you know you are at least getting your money's worth because these games can be anywhere from if you want to rush it and just do main story you know 40 50 hours but if you really put the time into it and choose to do the side quest and fully explore the world and do everything that there is to offer you can get 80 90 100 hours out of these games yeah because, I mean, you know, when I finished Tales of Burst Area this past week, I mean, I, I, I crossed almost the 70 hour mark. 
So and I and I didn't even do everything because I was trying to just finish it. I would like there are certain things I was trying to get done, but I just literally was trying to finish the game so I can move on. So it's pretty crazy how many hours you can get out of these games. I think the other limitation to JRPGs nowadays, and, and I might be wrong on this, but the lack of identification with the story. There's so many games that you can customize and tailor your experience to be exactly what you want and make your own character and, and be exactly what you want. I think a lot of people struggle to identify and, and enjoy the characters that are built into these games, which is a shame. That's one of the big complaints. Yeah, it's it's hard because when I want to buy one of these games, I'm like, oh, this looks really cool. But sometimes I struggle with the characters. I don't know if it's if it's how they're written nowadays or if the old guard was so good at making characters that now they're kind of like out of ideas. I don't know. Well, that's definitely part of it is that, you know, the character design and, and the way that the games are written and the way that the story develops, it's, it's just not the same as it was 10, 15 years ago. But you touched on the fact that, you know, like characters and being able to connect with them. Having a, a very strong lead character that you aren't customizing and that already has a set path and a set story and a set identity. It's easier to connect with those types of characters than it is to, you know, have a customization character, you know, create your own type of person. It's harder. It's harder to connect with those characters because I don't want to necessarily jump into this world wanting to play as myself. I don't want to see my adventures through, you know, Kingdom Hearts or my adventures through a Tales game. I want to see Sora. I disagree. I think you in a JRPG with awesome hair and a guitar like <laughs> I would love that game. Let's just turn Guitaru Man into an RPG. <laughs> Super <play> Brian Deluxe. <laughs> That's basically what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Except um, a little bit better than Daryl, I would hope. I never played that game. I need to play that game eventually. You haven't finished it yet, have you? I have not. Uh, while you're at it, you should play Harvester. Oh, uh, yeah. you uh, Shout out to Frank. He bought me uh, two games for my birthday this past week. So one of them being Harvester, which I'm so excited to, you know, note the sarcasm there, jump into. I honestly, it's so bad that you're going to love it. I hope so. Did I miss your birthday? Uh, it was past Thursday. Oh, the 24th. I, I'm so sorry. It's OK. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Let's jump into some tasty treats. And Frank, you've been silent because you didn't really play any main games this week, but you played a ton of smaller games. What have you been up to? Uh, I played five games, uh, beat four of them. Uh, I want to start with my, my, the one I haven't beaten. Wait, so you're, you're up to you're up to now six games then for the challenge. Is it really? Yeah, okay, well, you were, I you were at two, I, I'm keeping count of both of ours. So you were at two last yeah. week. So if you beat four, then you're up to six. Awesome. Well, I'll start with the first game I played. And it's a game I've beaten before, so I can't take credit for it. But uh, but did you beat it again? No, no, I played something okay. different in it. Okay. Uh, I popped up, I opened up my Steam, and I started playing Portal 2. Shocker. Jesus. Yeah, I know. Yeah, shocker. <laughs> but, it was, but it wasn't playing me. Well, I played some main game just to kind of reorient myself with it because it's been a little while since I played. I jumped in, I started playing the community made test chambers. Oh, okay. Like the fan made stuff. The fan made stuff, top notch. I mean, some of these things they've made were better than main game. And. They have they have their own music and everything. It was really awesome to the point that like the song, one of the songs was so good in one of these these games. <laughs> I wanted to use it in Radio Hour, but it's not official. So I didn't. Yeah. For those that don't know, Radio Hour is a thing we do for our other podcast, BG Mania, every Wednesday. It's a video game music podcast. Check it out. But yeah, it was it was really, really cool. Uh, I had a blast playing that. But speaking of a blast, I I, I jumped into Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. And Netflix. Same thing. 
I jumped into Netflix and the new games they gave us, I beat each and every one of them. So I'm just going to take them from the top. <laughs> okay. and kind of uh, so starting off with Blaster Master, and actually I'm going to go off on a tangent on this one a little bit as well. Uh, Blaster Master is a game that I had never played, but I read the book. Like an actual book book or like the instruction book? No. Uh, if you remember, we, we had talked uh, last week uh, about things we wanted back from the 80s. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and it clicked in my mind that there was those worlds of power books. Do you, if you remember these things? They, they were I do. novelizations of video games. Uh, and Blaster Master was one of the ones I've read. I, I looked it up afterwards and they, they did one for Metal Gear, Ninja Gaiden and such. Um, which Ninja Gaiden is another game we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like It all clicked in my head. I'm like, wait a second. Oh, okay. I, I remember this. Uh, they took some liberties in the books, but it was pretty cool to see how all those things tied together with a conversation we had last week. I'm going to give you a brief blurb of the basic idea of Blaster Master. Okay. I've never played it either. So, so you're playing as a character named Jason who follows his pet frog, Fred, down the hole <laughs> on the earth. There, he finds a tank named Sophia the Third, and he uses it to battle radioactive mutants. There you go. Perfect. Isn't there a newer game or like an HD version of this game on the Switch? I'm pretty sure there is, but it's, so. it's a it's a platforming running gun. So you knew I was going to love this. I beat that game. Uh, the next one was they gave us Ninja Gaiden, but they gave us like a special edition of Ninja Gaiden where they started you off at the penultimate fight. Uh, it could be the ultimate fight if you don't do it right. Uh, you're fighting and spoiler alert. Sorry, guys, you're fighting. Uh, you're fighting uh, Ryu's father, who is possessed by the demon. Ben Balor. <laughs> well, you, do, you do fight. You do fight the Demon King afterwards. So I was, I was actually, I was going to way there. But uh, if you, if you, if you destroy this gem in the room instead of fighting your father, you free him from the curse, and then you actually go fight the Demon King. You're the gem in the room. Hopefully, hopefully the new Universal Champion. Hopefully, I can't say for sure or yes or no. Not going to happen. It's being recorded before the Royal Rumble. So, so I did that. Uh, they, they literally start you right there, and. I feel like that fight was somewhat easy. The, the, the fight proceeded right after it. Damn near impossible, but I pulled it off. But I felt dirty. <laughs> <laughs> no, I felt dirty because I'm just I'm chaining boss to boss. I, there's a whole chunk of the game missing. Sure. So I went back and I played it all the way up to the battle with my father. So I could say I, I disjointedly beat the game. You know, I beat it and then I went back and I got myself there through a long amount of attrition and Safe dates. <laughs> the next one, I was so happy to beat that I messaged Brian. I believe it was three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. And this is a callback. We I've talked about this before on this, this podcast. Yes. Go Ghosts and Goblins. Um, I just want to kind of re- recap anyone who hasn't heard. I originally played Ghosts and Goblins, you know, when it was on the NES. And through lots of play, I got through the game and I beat it. And then I turned it off. <laughs> and I didn't find out afterwards until yet you have to play the game twice. Yeah. So I've only ever beaten half the game. So this is another one where they gave us a special edition. They start you right at the final fight of the first playthrough. Oh, okay. And they and, and, and you have the knife and you're ready to go. So boom, done. Beat the game. You know, I'd be the, and then I got to play through the second playthrough. So I played through the second playthrough and finally, thanks to God, to God for safe states again, beat the game. I could officially cross this one off. It's done. 
I, I, I've saved. I've saved. Uh, whatever the hell her name is, I don't care anymore. I'm never playing this game again. <laughs> Man, I'm so happy to have this one cross off my list. Like I, this has been a game that's eluded me forever. Wasn't this? Didn't you talk about that? And wasn't this on your when we did our bucket list? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, that's what I was so excited. I I never bothered riding at three o'clock in the morning because I'm first of all I'm asleep. I'm you're asleep, you're usually asleep at that time. Yeah. Uh, could be then I wake up at like five o'clock in the morning to go to work, but right. I had to do this, and I think <laughs> I started. I think I started at like maybe eleven o'clock. Hope I'm just planning to just plow right through, and well, you know, it's not an easy game to get right through. So absolutely not. But yeah, so I did that at three o'clock in the morning. It's like Brian, I did it. Not gonna believe this. I think. I think. I think my actual words were. Add I know this, you're add, you'll add this, this to my morning. list. Yeah, you'll read this in the morning, but add this to my list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the final game that they gave us was Zelda 2. Yeah, which is something I definitely want to check out here soon, but I haven't had a chance to yet. A game I haven't beaten in forever. Um, I, I usually go back and I play all the Zeldas like randomly throughout the year, like just Link to the Past gets played every year. Um, but Zelda 2, I forgot how freaking frustrating this game could be at times. It's definitely not the best. No, um, but I wouldn't mind another game in the same vein. Maybe as like a DS title or three DS title. Oh yeah, 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 something that's not like a mainline game. Something we could just no, 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 get while while waiting for like Breath of the Wild two or whatever. Yeah, but uh, I was hoping for a special edition of this somehow. But uh, you know, maybe give you all the power ups to start. That'd be that'd be pretty neat. They probably will eventually. I mean, we eventually got the the special version of the Legend of Zelda, which you know is the version that uh, Sean is playing, right? Yeah, I'm playing it right now, actually. <laughs> hey, it's not it's, it's 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 not bad. You start off with. A pretty decent amount of stuff. You got all the most of the overall hearts, and I think you have all the overall hearts. You can go, you can go straight for the silver sword right away. I'm struggling with that so hard right now. I'm pissed. So, <laughs> um, Frank, has you played anything else? Or are you done? Uh that is the five games that I played. I definitely recommend though, just so for my for my pick of my games. If you have Portal Two, you have it on Steam. I know it's an older game. Check out some of these these new community creations. I. I'm absolutely enamored with it. Like I'm going to be playing these every week now. Like I'm going to be playing a community creation because great storytelling and just the, the humor, the, the 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 amount of detail that the fans put into this game. Still, 2019, we're still getting new stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, like I mentioned, though, that takes you up to six games now for the 100 game challenge. Uh, or, or, like I said, more realistically, you're doing half of that at 52. You're trying to do one a week, so you're up to six games. Uh, Sean, you said you are currently playing Zelda. Did you want to talk about that at all or no? You know, honestly, the noobs guide to Zelda. I've got a couple of quick things. But my my biggest actually gripe is with the Netflix ROM interface. OK, so. The ROM interface is actually really cool, and I love creating suspend points, but I don't like how it shows the date. And it's a timestamp, but it's not a duration played timestamp. Yeah, sure. yeah. And I I don't know why it bothers me so much, but it's hard to keep track of my progress through the game because I, you know, I, I don't play in a, a linear sense where I just play all day and I can say, oh, I created this at five o'clock. That's my newest one. I really want to know how much time in the game it is. So I know which one is the one I want to go back to. Right. But yeah, the game itself is really awesome. Except for the fact that when you finally find the grave to go down and get the silver sword, spoiler, um, <laughs> uh, well, you don't have all the hearts. The, 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 it's a kick to the nuts. The, gra- the grave is the magic sword. OK, OK, I am sorry. <laughs> I dare you. <laughs> I 
want the best one. And that's right, folks. Magic sword, not master sword. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm up to level five. I think I made it to level five, and those uh, blue knights that guard the staircase that go down to the basement, they wreck me. So I'm trying to find enough rupees to get the blue ring now to cut my damage in half. That's pretty much it. Are you going to move on to Zelda 2 when you finish it? I think I have to. I think I, think I to. owe it to I think the universe. What I think you should do now is just literally just as soon as you finish the Zelda, you move on to the next. You'll, you'll, honestly, Zelda 2's music, it'll, it'll, it'll grow on you. Zelda 2, yeah? has some, Zelda 2 has some good music in it. It does. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Did we ever do uh, a BG Mania for that? We did. We did an episode several, several months. Well, not even months, like a year and a half ago where we did the music from um, Zelda, Zelda 2 and Link's Awakening. We did those three games in one episode. So it it is an it is a very early episode. And if you choose to go back and listen to it, just realize that our quality is not the best because we definitely got better with age and in time as we learned how to do things or like a fine line or exactly geez. it's still a fun episode to go back and listen to because the music's great but i mentioned earlier that i played like nine games this week so i'm not going to really talk anymore about resident evil or tales of Vesperia. but i did finish tales of Berseria, as i mentioned uh i and i've been kind of like putting writing down my time spent with it so tales of Berseria took 67 hours and 29 minutes to finish i was level 78 when i finished it I finished Kingdom Hearts 1 thanks to Sean reminding me that, uh, well, first of all, we're going to be doing a discussion here in a little while on Kingdom Hearts. But because you mentioned that, Sean, I was like, damn, Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts. But because Sean had mentioned that to me, I was like, damn, I really should be taking this week and refreshing myself on Kingdom Hearts and playing some of these games. So as soon as you said that, I immediately started Kingdom Hearts 1. Like I was actually playing Tales of Asperia, saved at the next save spot, stopped and loaded up Kingdom Hearts 1. Just a little teaser for you guys, a little wet your whistle there. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're going to be jumping into some Kingdom Hearts stuff here very soon. But I, I finished Kingdom Hearts 1, 34 hours and 12 minutes at level 54. And then I also finished, Frank, if you remember me talking about a game called Chasm several months ago. The one that was kind of like a, it's, it's, it was kind of like a Metroidvania, but it wasn't nearly as good as like, it came out around the same time as Dead Cells and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't nearly as good. It had some issues, but it was still enjoyable. Uh, I finally got around to finishing that. So I finished three games this week, which takes me up to eight, which puts me back on pace doing two games a week. Much like you're back on pace and you're actually overpaced now. You only have to be at four and you're at six. So you're actually two ahead. Uh, I am back on pace to doing two games a week now as of as of time of recording, because Don't I finished King of Kingdom Hearts three is going to slow down any progress I make. Um, Maybe for you, but not necessarily for me, because I did find out that the main story is about 40 hours long. And then with all the side stuff, about 80 to 90. So I can probably do that in like a week to a week and a half like I usually do. Dang, flex nuts over here. Yeah. (laughs) But I also I mentioned last week I wanted to try to get some Hitman 2 done and I did do two extra missions in that fully. And and Hitman 2, it's not just as easy for me as running in and doing like one thing and finishing it because I like exploring all the stories and the levels for Hitman, much like I did with Hitman 1 back in 2016. I like seeing all the sub stories. I like, you know, taking out the targets multiple different ways each time I do it. Like I don't actually finish a level in Hitman or Hitman 2 now. Until I've taken out the targets in every way that I possibly can and seeing all the story and seeing all the stuff that there is to do. So, you know, jumping through and playing through a mission, I could finish it in technically 20 minutes if I just run in there, don't get seen and and shoot them all in the head. But I will spend hours upon hours, like five to ten hours per per stage doing everything, being meticulous, moving things around and, and just having fun. 
Uh, so I was able to finish two extra levels in Hitman 2. Um, I played some Super Off-Road on the Super Nintendo because I actually finally hooked up my Super Nintendo upstairs in the bedroom. So now when Jessica and I go upstairs to go to sleep, I load up a game every night on the Super Nintendo and spend like an hour or hour and a half playing it before I fall asleep. So I played Super Off-Road for the first time in a very long time. I, I technically beat it, but I'm not including it in my list of games that I've beaten because there technically is no end to this game because you keep doing these tracks over and over and over again. Now, I had my truck completely 100 percent maxed out. I bought all the nitro upgrades. I bought all the tire upgrades, the suspension upgrades, the engine upgrades. I had it. I was done. I mean, it, the game is not hard. So but it's been the first it's been a long time since I played it and actually, you know, seen some of these tracks and ones that I don't even remember if I've seen before. So it was kind of cool doing that. But Sean actually inspired me, much like he did with going into Kingdom Hearts and, and his adventures through Zelda. It's been quite a bit since I've played through A Link to the Past. So I also have the Super Nintendo Classic upstairs. So I'm playing through A Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo Classic. Oh, it's so glorious. It is. It is. And there's one thing I've never done in A Link to the Past that I want to do. And I will count it for the 100 game challenge when I finish it. I've never done And Frank, you're probably going to laugh at this because I'm sure you've done it many times. I've never done a full 100% playthrough of it. Really? Yeah, I've always I've finished the game many, many times, but I've never gotten everything. And I want to do that. You have to, Brian. Yeah, I've never, you know, I've never had all the hard pieces. I've never done everything in the game. So right now I'm not using a guide, but I, I looked up a map of certain things. So that way I know like where things are, because I don't actually don't know where everything is on Link to the Past. I know where all the dungeons are and how to beat them and how to move to this game and you know, fairly quick succession because I've played it so many times, but I don't know where everything actually is like the hidden stuff. So I'm going to actually do a full 100 percent playthrough of a Link to the Past over the next several weeks while, you know, I've, I've just been kind of chipping away an hour or two a night um, just playing it. So hope, I don't know how long it's going to take me, but when I do, I'll count it. So I don't know. Sean, Sean kind of inspired me to do that. Are you counting objectives and mini games? Everything. I want to do everything a Link to the Past has to offer. OK. Yes. All right. Because I'll tell you, do not throw your controller in the dark world when you're doing that uh, shovel game. Yeah, which I have. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Which I actually remember from back in the day doing that game. So, uh, you know, Um, while while I'm out there, while I'm out there fight fighting for the light world, I'll be doing that for sure. Make sure you uh, use your magic powder to uh, get your upgrade. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So it, it's 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 going to look like he's screwing you over, but I promise you he's not. <laughs> Indeed. So I'm, I'm 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 excited to do that because it's something that I've always wanted to do, but I just I can never find the time. And what's really nice about how we've been doing things and, you know, going upstairs earlier than we used to, because we used to just go upstairs when we were ready for bed. But now we're going up there, you know, and two, sometimes three hours early. I can actually sit there while she's on her laptop playing The Sims. And I'm usually just I'm usually laying there like listening to podcasts or something. I've actually been firing up the Super Nintendo, so it's kind of nice actually being back in and doing some retro stuff. And really, I mean, your guys you know, forays into all these retro games you've been talking about really has made me want to do that. So. But that's all I played this week, so I'm, I'm officially up to eight games for the 100 game challenge for 2019. That's not going to take us into the weekly scoop news report where it's been it's been kind of a light week. The first one we probably will spend a good chunk of the time on. And if we actually go too long on this, it may be the only thing we talk about for the weekly news report. So I want to start with this one, first of all, and I'm going to read what I wrote down here. And perhaps the most shocking news to drop in quite some time, Nintendo has pulled Metroid Prime 4 from development at Bandai Namco and given the reins back to Retro Studio, 
who has since started the game from scratch due to Nintendo not liking the way the game was showing. The full statement from Nintendo's Shinya Takasha is as follows, quote, I am Shinya Takasha and I'm responsible for development at Nintendo. Thank you so much for playing Nintendo games. I wanted to speak with you today to give you an update on Metroid Prime 4, the newest title in the Metroid Prime series. We deeply understand the high anticipation that Metroid Prime series fans have for this title. We have felt it especially from the passionate words from fans we heard when we first announced this title at E3 the year before last, which was 2017. Ever since the announcement, we have been ever since the announcement, we have not been able to give you an update. But as a result of the continuing development since that time, we must let you know that the current development progress has not reached the standards we seek in a sequel to the Metroid Prime series. Nintendo always strives for the highest quality in our games, and in the development phase, we challenge ourselves and confront whether the game is living up to that quality on a daily basis. If we're not satisfied with the quality, we aren't able to deliver it to our customers with confidence and the game will not live up to our fans' expectations. From this perspective, we have determined that the current development status of the game is very challenged, and we had to make a difficult decision as a development team. We have decided to re-examine the development structure itself and change it. Specifically, we have decided to have the producer, Kensuke Tanabe, work and trust in collaboration with the studio that developed the original Metroid Prime series, Retro Studios, in the United States, and restart development from the beginning. By collaborating and developing with Retro Studios, we believe we can make this game something that will meet our fans' expectations. We did not make this decision lightly. This change will essentially mean restarting development from the beginning, so the completion of the game will be delayed from our initial internal plan. We strongly recognize that this delay will come as a disappointment to the many fans who have been looking forward to the launch of Metroid Prime 4. I'd like to extend my deepest heartfelt apologies to everyone that the launch will be delayed. It will be a long road until the next time we will be able to update you on the development progress and development will be extensive. I want to reiterate that one more time. It will be a long road until the next time we will be able to update you on the development progress and development will be extensive. Keep that in mind. However, we will continue developing the game so that when it is completed, it will stand shoulder to shoulder with the past Metroid Prime series titles. On behalf of Nintendo and Retro Studios, I sincerely appreciate your understanding. Thank you very much. End quote. Uh, game Informer senior editor Imran Khan later chimed in, mentioning that this is most likely the reason why the Metroid Prime trilogy announcement didn't happen late last year like it was supposed to. And that apparently there are other Metroid projects currently in development alongside Metroid Prime 4 at Nintendo. But this is definitely going to shift the release schedules around significantly. I did a bit more digging before we started, and apparently the reason why that Nintendo pulled this back from Bandai Namco and wanted it under their own you know, internal structure and their own first party studios again is through Bandai Namco. It was being developed at several different places, like several studios, several teams were working on Metroid Prime 4, and some teams are doing really well. Other teams, not so much. So when they actually put things together and tried to figure things out, it just wasn't working the way that they wanted it to. And they didn't feel like the quality of the game was up to the standards that, that, that the Metroid series should be at. So now we are completely restarting this game from scratch. And I want to dive into what this could potentially mean. The first thing I want to talk about, what does this potentially mean for the relationship between Bandai Namco and Nintendo moving forward? And do we think it might suffer because of this? No. Okay. I doubt, doubtful, but uh, I wanted to retouch on something he said about the high standards of Nintendo games. That, you know, like how, how are they going to pull these things? Uh, Wii Music, Pokemon Dash, Paper Mario Sticker Star, Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. You have no standards. Give me my goddamn Metroid, you son of a bitch. Well, you you weren't <laughs> even excited for Metroid Prime 4 because you're not a Metroid Prime guy, so I don't know what you're talking about. I 
understand that if Metroid Prime 4 does well, I'll get a new 2D Metroid. So uh, don't worry about that. Yeah, you know, I think kudos to Nintendo for doing this. Actually. Agreed. Agreed. I'm actually in full support of this. And what's interesting that uh, and, and, and much like is always the case, contrary to Frank's beliefs, if you actually look online at like fan reactions to this, it is very supportive and is very positive because here's the key. If you're transparent on what you're doing, if you're transparent about issues that you're having and hey, we didn't like the way the game was going. Here's what we're doing, but we're going to be fully transparent about it. We're not going to we're not going to be Square Enix and tell you that Final Fantasy seven remake is coming along fine when it's clearly not. So Bethesda. Yeah, actually, correct. Yeah, Bethesda. You shut your dirty mouth. Let's be transparent, Bethesda. Let's talk about the issues that Fallout 76 has and the reason why you shouldn't have announced Starfield and Order School 6 when you did. Let's be transparent. If you're transparent, your fans, the ones that are your lifeblood and will keep you afloat and will, you know, allow you to continue to thrive and make more games will be supportive of you. They won't backlash against you like they have against Bethesda to where who knows what's going to happen now when they put out their next major game. But Nintendo's transparency has paid off because Nintendo fans, much like myself and much like I thought you were, Frank, but maybe not so much. I know you're kind of getting older, getting close to your 40s, maybe not so much a Nintendo kid anymore, but maybe Nintendo man. (laughs) You're a Nintendo elder. (laughs) You're an elder Nintendo. (laughs) But uh, the transparency has paid off because nobody is upset about this except for you. I'm not really upset. I just I hate delays. You know that I don't like when something gets pushed out that far uh, because the hype around this was going to give me a new 2D Metroid experience. And this this still could happen in between. Yeah, I know there's several Metroid projects in the works. Yeah, as I said, there still is. So because I was I was banking on this to fuel the love and the fervor for another 2D Metroid, which I've been clamoring for. Right. Uh, Although, although although to me, to be fair, there's like a thousand and one Metroidvanias out there. So, yeah, there's so many that you can actually play to get the Metroid fix. You don't necessarily need it to have Samus, but it's cool to have the original back. Um, Sean, you said that you don't think the relationship will suffer. Why is that? I think it's a good move. I, I well, first of all, they did it very politically. Yes, they they could have trashed Bandai Namco in this, and you you and I both know that there is no way that they would fall on the sword for Bandai Namco if they didn't feel like it was worth it. And I think they did on this one. I think they shared responsibility, and they didn't call anyone out. But this is a great move for everybody involved. If they released this and it was crap, Bandai Namco would have taken the rap. Dude, people would have been pissed because of how long it's been since we got Metroid Prime 3. People would have been pissed if this game sucked. (laughs) This would have hurt Bandai Namco way more than it would have hurt Nintendo. I agree. I agree with that. I think it's a good move to throw in the towel. You don't want to see your guy in the ring get beat beyond repair. If it's not working out, let the big boys step in. Let's do this right. And maybe they'll learn something from this because let's face it. Bandai Namco is a great company, but do they have a stellar reputation like Nintendo? No, they release a lot of games where people are like, eh. yeah, they they release a lot of fours and fives from time to time. Yeah. And, and that sucks for them from scratch. I agree. That hurts. That's the dagger. I think that that could have been said in a different way. I really do. Like as a story, not salvageable or, you know, like apparently they didn't like it. So from what I understand, after Nintendo found out that the game was, quote unquote, in a a mess, like a a garbage fire over at Bandai Namco, Retro put together a demo and a pitch to Nintendo for Metroid Prime 4 that Nintendo really liked and chose to pull the game and give it back to Retro. 
how bad could this how bad could this game have been i don't know uh, and we'll, pro- we'll probably never know we'll, we'll never know well actually we might know because there's a good chance jason schreier will find out through his digging in, in, t- in journalism there's a chance we could find out but as of, right, as of right now we don't know but since you're mentioning it starting over from scratch this effectively puts metroid prime 4 no earlier than 2023 at best because games take That's anywhere fair. from four to five years. So no earlier than 2023 due to current game development cycles. So does this now mean that Metroid Prime 4 will be a launch title or a launch window game for the successor to the Nintendo Switch? Wow, probably. Because Nintendo normally sticks to the five year cycle. And I actually was talking to Sean about this yesterday. If you look at the yearly releases of the Nintendo consoles, you know, SNES was 91 and 64 was 96. GameCube was 2001. Uh, Wii was 2006. Wii U was 2012. Switch was 2017. The only one that was actually six years was Wii to Wii U. That was actually six years. But that was during the the, you know, the economy being in a recession, which extended that cycle. The Wii, the PS3, the 360 for longer than it should have been. Every console manufacturer, Nintendo, Sony and Microsoft had a longer console cycle that generation because of the of the of the recession of the economy. So being as the switch launched in 2017, technically we're looking at about 2022 for the five year plan for Nintendo. But if they do stretch it to six years because of how well the switch is doing, it would be 2023. So does this potentially mean it could be a launch window or launch title even game for the switch successor? I do think that's a great possibility and it'd be a killer title to launch with. It would be like launching the switch with Breath of the Wild. Metroid Prime 4 would be a system seller for the switch too, or whatever comes next. Plus one to Nintendo for having that now up their sleeve because they they know that, you know, whatever comes after the switch, whatever they choose to release next will already be successful at launch because of Metroid Prime 4 plus whatever else they're going to have ready to go by then. So that's kind of interesting to think about. But what does this mean for Star Fox Grand Prix, which was supposedly being developed at Retro Studios? Is it being shelved now in favor of Metroid Prime 4 to be started up later, much like, uh, you know, EA canceling Orca, but not necessarily canceling it. They're just shelving it for that team to EA Vancouver to work on something else. Could they be shelving this and restarting it later? Or is it potentially close to being finished? Will Star Fox Grand Prix be officially announced anytime between now and E3? And will it release in fall 2019? I mean, we have a a glaring hole now. Yeah, we do. So if Retro was indeed working on Star Fox Grand Prix, is it maybe being close to being done? So that way it can come out this year. But if that's the case, does that mean Metroid Prime 4 doesn't even enter full development until late this year after Star Fox Grand Prix releases? I have no idea. I have Maybe no that's idea. where some of the IPs and ideas that come in to play from Bandai Namco and Nintendo. That's that's probably another reason why they kept the relationship with the producer so that he could catch them up to speed and maybe hit the ground running. Maybe. I don't know. It's a possibility. A, it's hard to think about. It. Well, first of all, that sucks for that guy. Because you have to go over to retro and basically have your tail between your legs and say, I couldn't do this. Right. But <laughs> but it is a golden opportunity for them to really polish something that would have been really rough and abrasive to fans. Right. So maybe he has some things that he's already briefed on and they've already met on. I know a lot of game development starts out conceptually and some of that's already there. Yeah, that's true. So who knows? I think this is an interesting story, though, because it's something that's you have to understand this happens a lot behind the scenes, but we never actually get to know about it because companies aren't 
so transparent with this information because they don't want the negative connotations. They don't want the backlash. You know, they try to avoid all that kind of stuff. But Nintendo being totally transparent has paid off. So maybe we will see more of this now actually in the spotlight where companies choose to not necessarily air their dirty laundry, but still just tell us about issues that these games are having. Maybe this will convince Square Enix, as I mentioned earlier, to give us an update on Final Fantasy VII Remake besides just saying the game is coming along or Maybe this will convince Bethesda that they did something wrong with Fallout 76. I have no idea. But I can think I be go ahead. I don't know. I, I was just going to say, can I be overly honest here? And I'm going to say something probably people aren't going to like, but maybe this will make companies think harder about outsourcing their games. Yes, potentially. Yeah. If you have this IP that is beloved that, you know, your internal studios have done so well with. Why do you need to outsource everything? Like I get outsourcing minor things like I get Nintendo outsourcing, you know, their some of their characters that they never would touch anyway. But you got to remember that Samus is one of the most iconic characters that Nintendo has. So why wouldn't they want to handle it internally so that way they can squash any bugs or, you know, if they don't like something, they just change it because they're it's directly there under their roof. I don't know. We brought up Bethesda and Bethesda is a prime example of this. They have given their stuff away to crank out more games. And the product isn't as good. Yeah, it's just not. And, and that's the thing. You look at Nintendo and kudos to them for looking at it and saying, wow, we don't want to have that. Yeah, we don't that's want, great for we don't us. Want Metroid fans. Prime 4 to be, you know, a Fallout 76 disaster. <laughs> the old, even, Nintendo, even, the old uh, Nintendo seal of quality, you know? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. The holograph. Yeah. Honestly, look at look at Elder Scrolls Online. Look at Oof. look at all of that stuff that Bethesda's done. And tell me that it's up to standard. It's not. Even though it's successful and they're cranking out expansions, they're really shooting themselves in the foot. If they drew this out and used that IP and explored all of those regions that are coming out in ESO in standalone games, they'd be set for 20 more years. Absolutely, dude. They'd be making so much more money had they been releasing, you know, full-fledged games with all of these. Like you said, in the worlds that these expansions are exploring, because ever since, you know, Oblivion and more so Skyrim, that's what people have wanted. They've wanted single player experiences in the Elder Scrolls universe, exploring these regions we've never been to. Let me go to elsewhere. I want to hang out with the Khajiit. Yeah. And, and you will get to an Elder Scrolls Online in uh, June. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I don't know, man. It's, it's interesting, though. And, and, and really, it's hard to pinpoint exactly what's going to happen with whatever, because retro has been silent since Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. Like, they haven't put anything out since then. Not even the port, the Switch port. Like, they've been silent since the original game released on the Wii U. They haven't put anything out since then, which has been now about almost six years. So they clearly were working on something. I have to assume that that game cannot, I mean, that would suck so much for them, and that would actually hurt Nintendo significantly if they just can whatever they've been working on or don't release it this year, because now now it's six years your team was working on something that's never going to come out that you're going to get paid for. That would suck. They could just send DK to space and have him hang out with Samus. Oh, space bananas. Space bananas and space Donkey Kong. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have to until we know what Retro was doing, whether, you know, we find out at a Nintendo Direct coming up or at E3, if we eventually learn on Star Fox Grand Prix, maybe then we'll have a better understanding of how Metroid Prime 4 is currently sitting at their studio. But until we know, we'll just have to speculate and guess because there's no way to know. So I don't know. 
doesn't this just blow up what we talked about two weeks ago with retro and what we were trying to figure out what they were trying to do? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, this totally changes that. I mean, this already negates some of the predictions we made for 2019, um, you know, a couple weeks back. Because Well, first of all, I had said that a game wasn't coming out in 2018, so clearly that's the case. But yeah, this was just totally interesting. And like I said, I knew we were going to dive into this and I knew it would take some time because it's clearly a, a major thing right now. And I just love the transparency. I love the fact that they were able to talk about this and, and everything was OK. And, and it's true. And this is actually good for us as fans from the Bandai Namco standpoint, because now Bandai Namco owes Nintendo one. Yeah. And they're going to be working hard to make that right. We might actually see some good stuff come from this. I, I know that some of you guys really want to see a lot more involvement in Smash Bros with Goku and stuff like that. Maybe they'd be willing to throw that in. Who knows? I mean, you might see more Bandai Namco uh, leniency and playing ball with Nintendo now that might lead to some good stuff. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, we had a couple of release dates and adjustments to talk about this week. Uh, Melbit's World will be launching for PlayStation 4 on February 5th. Evo Land 1 and 2 will launch for PS4, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox One on February 5th, 6th, and 7th, respectively. So that's the 5th for the PS4, the 6th for the Nintendo Switch, and the 7th for Xbox One. A game called Bats Loon will launch for PC and Nintendo Switch on February 28th. Generation Zero launches for PC, PS4, and Xbox One on March 26th. That's another, if I'm not mistaken, that's a Battle Royale game, but it's the one that's like set in an alternate 80s with like these machines. And we actually saw a trailer for it on Game Oracles last year. It looked really cool. Earth Defense Force Iron Rain launches for PlayStation 4 on April 11th. EDF! Yeah, EDF is so good, dude. A Plague Tale Innocence launches for PC, PS4, and Xbox One on May 14th, which I believe is the same day as Rage 2. Uh, Frank, if you remember A Plague Tale Innocence, that's the trailer we saw where the girl and the kid are running from, like, rats in the, in the, oh, the bubonic okay, plague. Right remember? It's, it's, it's made by the... It's a Focus Home Interactive game, but it very much reminded me of, like, Call of Cthulhu and all that kind of stuff, but... Uh, yeah, we saw a trailer for this and it just seemed really, really wicked and really weird. So I want to check that out. It seems cool. But as always, those games, except for a few of them, Playtale Innocence, that's May. That's quite a ways away. Let's talk about what's releasing this week. It's a nice, fun week for the new releases for the week of January 28th. We'll skip over today, Monday, January 28th, and move on to tomorrow, Tuesday, January 29th. One of the best days for releases this year. Most likely. Maybe not, though. Who knows? We'll see. First coming to PC, PS4, and Xbox One is a game called Genesis Alpha 1. In a near future ravaged by wars, corrupt regimes, and devastating pollution, influential corporations have created the Genesis program in a last-ditch attempt to save humanity. As the captain of a Genesis starship, you journey into uncharted space on the ultimate mission. Build and manage a space vessel, farm resources, deal with terrifying alien infestations, clone creatures, and explore a vast, randomly generated universe. Your goal? Find new homes for humanity's DNA, and save the species from extinction. Every journey in Genesis Alpha 1 begins with a huge randomized galaxy filled with adventure and peril. Discover new planets, encounter asteroid fields, survive hostile encounters as you explore the vastness of space. Death is permanent, so every crew member's life matters. There's no Rastakhan Buditan II here. Ugh. I'm gonna have to get to the fourth or fifth. But uh, every decision must be carefully considered. So it kind of, to me, sounds like a... like a No Man's Sky type of... It's a, it's, it's, a rogue, it's a roguelike first person shooter, but there's also base building and survival stuff in there. So it seems interesting and I might want to check it out in the future, but not right away because it happens to come out on the same day as our next game coming to PS PS4 and Xbox One. No PC, PS4 and Xbox One only. Kingdom Hearts 3. Kingdom Hearts 3 tells the story of the power of friendship and light versus darkness as Sora and his friends embark on a perilous adventure. 
Set in a vast array of Disney and Pixar worlds, Kingdom Hearts follows the journey of Sora, an unknowing heir to a spectacular power. Sora is joined by Donald Duck and Goofy to stop an evil force known as the Heartless from invading and overtaking the universe. Sora, Donald, and Goofy unite with iconic Disney Pixar characters old and new to overcome tremendous challenges and persevere against the darkness threatening their worlds. Can't wait for this. Whatever, let's get to that big game now, come on. No, 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 it's all about Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> uh, the big game Frank's talked about, one that I'm sure he's excited to play coming to PlayStation 4, is Penguin Wars. It's been a minute. Penguin Wars is a remake of the classic released in 1985. The original rule of using 10 balls to throw at each other is still the core of the game. However, now you can evolve your characters in story mode and use those souped up characters in both local and online gameplay against your friends. This release also introduces multiple sets of new rules, which new and seasoned gamers can both enjoy. Music from the original version released in 1985 has been remixed and updated by notable musicians from Japan, which will make you want to listen to the music while you're out for a run or a dance on a Friday night with the family. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, are you going to play this? No. Me neither. The other game coming out tomorrow to the Nintendo Switch is Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy. Another game I'm not going to play because I already played the original and I don't care to play it again. Sphinx and the Cursed Mummy is an original third-person action adventure inspired by the mythology of ancient Egypt. Traveling the world via magical portals to foil the evil plans of Set, Sphinx's journey will require all his wits, agility, and special powers. He will also rely on his reluctant hero friend, the Mummy, to help with to help when being inconspicuous is the only solution. By finding the stolen magical crowns of Egypt, Sphinx can stop Set and save the world. This released on the GameCube back in the day, and it was a fantastic game. It was also a THQ game. It was a THQ game, and now it's a THQ Nordic game. <laughs> um, if, if this leads to us getting a new Sphinx game, that's cool, but I don't need I don't necessarily want to replay the original. I already played the crap out of it when it first came out, and there's nothing changed, nothing new. Even the graphics largely look the same. I have no interest in going back and playing this again. But if you've never played it, it's a good game, and it's worth playing through. It's a good game. Frank, you played this, right? No, I haven't. Oh, wow. You might, actually might want to check this out eventually then. Because it's actually a good game. Well, if, if my boys THQ Nordic put it out, best believe I'm, I'm on board. There you go. Help support that company. Uh, skipping over Wednesday, January 30th and Thursday, January 31st, we move on now to Friday, February 1st. We have two more games coming out. The first one coming to PC is Ace Combat 7 Skies Unknown. It's already available on PS4 and Xbox One. It came out uh, on January 18th, if I'm not mistaken. Become an ace pilot and soar through photorealistic skies with full 360 degree movement down enemy aircraft and experience the thrill of engaging in realistic stories, uh, sorties. Because I remember actually, Frank, uh, Sean, you were on the last episode we talked about it because I asked you what a sorty was. Aerial combat yes. has never looked or felt better. So we already talked about it a couple weeks ago, but it is not coming to PC. And the last game coming out this week coming to PlayStation 4, this one already is available on PC, is Song of Memories, which Frank, you actually told me was up for pre-order on Amazon like several months ago and I didn't realize it, so. <laughs> a romantic visual novel with a dark and sinister underbelly. Discover the thrills of finding your soulmate in Japan's iconic musical love story and prepare to fight for your love in the most testing of times as an, as an apocalyptic virus begins sweeping across the world and threatens to infect those closest to you. What a callback. Was, was this one you just talking about how uh, you're kind of flirting in Resident Evil with an apocalyptic virus. Yeah, yeah. And this I don't year, know what's so romantic about that, but it's awesome, it's dude. And I'm going to play the crap out of this game. <laughs> uh, it, it's definitely something that I've been looking forward to. I, I skipped over the PC release because I knew it was coming to consoles. So I'm going to pick this up and uh, and play through it and see exactly what kind of romance I can I can spawn in a post-apocalyptic and apocalyptic virus infested world. We'll have to see. Is, is Jessica going to play this? Probably not because she normally likes to play the ones where you play as a female lead character and you're romancing the guys. This you're playing as a guy and you're romancing girls. Got you. So she probably right. will skip over that. Now, she has played some of the ones like that, 
but she generally prefers the Otome games, which is the ones designed specifically for the female audience. So, and she actually has one coming up um, in a couple weeks that's coming out that's directly related to her, uh, a new game in the Code Realized series, so. Is this like the Japanese version of Nutella Nueva or whatever? Pretty much, Like yeah. it's it's just like stories? It's all it is, yeah. Yep, yeah, it's, okay. it's, a, it's just a visual novel. There's no like actual gameplay elements to it except for making choices and, you know, unlocking certain things, but there's no, you know, you're not walking around, you're not directly engaging with anything, you're just, you're just, unfolding a story and, and making choices. They're like choose your own adventure games, which is kind of neat. Those are cool. Yeah. And they, and they have like, you know, artistic anime styles and colorful games. And sometimes they have great soundtracks, too. So they're pretty cool to look at. Uh, pick of the week this week, though, I think is pretty obvious for me. Frank, potentially you as well. And uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 Suri. Yeah. Kingdom Hearts 3 for me as well. Sean, what are you going with? <laughs> I, I have to Kingdom Hearts. I probably won't get it, but it's gonna it's it's too good not to right it's too good not to so kingdom hearts 3 wins the unanimous pick of the week this week from all three of us which is a great way to transition now into our main topic of the show which thanks to sean we actually have because you actually recommended this and it was something that we should do this week because the game is coming out but before we get to it i want to plug flavor text which is a show that is every thursday on our youtube channel youtube.com slash level down games if you don't currently follow us there and subscribe make sure you go do that and while you're at it hit up twitch.tv slash level down games and follow us there but flavor text is a show that if you enjoy the max level style of discussions we do every week here on the podcast flavor text is an extension of that so they're they're kind of shorter discussions but they focus on primarily games but we may branch off and do other types of entertainment or media in the future but for right now we're focusing on games so it's every thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on YouTube at 8 a.m. Pacific if you're on the West Coast like Sean is over there. But uh, yeah, Flavor Text. Just check it out. It's a fun show. Last week, we talked about uh, things we wanted to come back from the 80s. And Frank had a, a hell of a time, you know, 20 minutes just rattling off a bunch of random stuff that he wanted to come back. I, 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 and you know what? I probably could have went for like 10 hours. You probably could have. And I actually had to. St- I, and I, I, I No, I actually cut it out of the actual show. But I even stopped at one point. And was like, dude, how many more do you have? <laughs> <laughs> So I actually cut that sentence out of the actual video. But uh, yeah, you just were going nonstop. This rapid fire lightning round stuff of things you wanted to come back from the 80s. But it was a fun discussion. Go check that out. Uh, The big takeaway is I miss creepy crawlers. But our topic of the show this week and something that I think is going to be interesting leading into tomorrow's release of Kingdom Hearts 3. I want to kind of do a lore refresh on the entirety of the Kingdom Hearts universe. From, you know, Kingdom Hearts 1 up through Kingdom Hearts uh, 2.8, a final chapter prologue, which includes Birth by Sleep 0.2 or Fragmentary Passage, which is the most recent release in the Kingdom Hearts series. I want to go through and not I don't want to get too in-depth because it's very confusing. And if you really want to get in-depth, I highly recommend you go to YouTube and search up the uh, search for the Kingdom Hearts lore. There's three videos that I recently watched this week in preparation for this just to kind of refresh myself besides playing the games. There's some videos on there that are are highly in-depth and way more in-depth that we're going to go today on the podcast. Go check those out because those guys did a great job putting those together. There's one out there by uh, Suggestive Gaming. They pretty much wrapped the whole thing up. Is that the one that was like 37 minutes long? I think I watched that one. 3609. I watched that one. Absolutely. That one was my favorite one. That one was so well done. So go check those out. Go give those guys support because they definitely put a ton of work into making everything make sense. And we're going to try to do that as well. They, but they not definitely so much. hit the games that they, they hit the games. I didn't play. I played most of them. To right. Be honest. Right. And there, and there's, there's obviously a ton of them, but what I think we should do before we jump into really like, you know, some of the things like some of the terms and 
just try to make sense of everything. I think we need to talk about the games, first of all. Like, we need to talk about what games actually exist in the Kingdom Hearts universe. So I put this together. I have the list of games in order of timeline release, and I have the list of games in order of chronological release, like chronological order, like not necessarily the way they came out, but the way they should be played based off of the story being told. So I want to go over these and then maybe we'll spend a few minutes talking about what we prefer, how we prefer to play the games or the recommended order to play the games. Like if you would rather play them chronologically or in timeline release, like how they actually came out. So let's start with that. Let's start with the timeline release of the games. The first game was Kingdom Hearts 1 on the PlayStation 2 in 2002. The second game was Chain of Memories and Kingdom Hearts Rechain of Memories on the Game Boy Advance and PlayStation 2 in 2004 and 2008, respectively. Kingdom Hearts Rechain of Memories is just a remake of Chain of Memories, which was released on the Game Boy Advance. Next game was Kingdom Hearts 2 on the PlayStation 2 in 2006. Kingdom Hearts Coded and Kingdom Hearts Recoded released on the Nintendo DS in 2008 and 2011, respectively. Again, Kingdom Hearts Recoded, just a remake of Kingdom Hearts Coded, both on the on the Nintendo DS. Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, which is actually how you say that. And it's not 358 over two. It literally is Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days on the Nintendo DS released next in 2009. Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep released next on the PSP in 2010, which I still am under the impression that should have been Kingdom Hearts 3. Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance was next on the Nintendo 3DS in 2012. Kingdom Hearts Cross and Unchained Cross was next on mobile devices in 2016. And then Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage was included in Kingdom Hearts 2.8, A Final Chapter Prologue on PS4 in 2017. A short little thing involving Aqua. So that's the timeline release of games for everything that came out. The chronological order in terms of the way the story goes starts with Kingdom Hearts Cross and Unchained Cross, which tells the tale of the Age of Fairy Tales and the Keyblade War. After that, we have Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, which explains Xehanort's origins, Aventus's heart, who Aqua and Terra are, Xehanort's plan, and who Ansem the Wise actually is. That's why I think Birth by Sleep should have been a numbered entry and should have been on like a main console, because Birth by Sleep is the most important game besides Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 to ever release in the series. It blows my mind that this game was just an afterthought and a lot of people didn't play it, because it literally tells more than almost every other game in the series based on the lore and what's going on. So people that didn't play this game are are going to be very confused when Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out. The next game in chronological order is Kingdom Hearts 1, which explains the fall of Destiny Island, how Sora met Donald and Goofy, the seven princesses of light, which are Alice, Snow White, Jasmine, Belle, Cinderella, Aurora and Kyrie. More on Ansem's plan, who is not the same Ansem as Ansem the Wise from Breath by Sleep. After that, we have Chain of Memories and Rechain of Memories, which explains Castle Oblivion and Namine, a mysterious character known as Diz, and his involvement with Riku. From there, we move on to Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days, which tells the tale of Roxas, Shion, and Organization 13, Roxas's, and Roxas's ability to use dual keyblades. One of the only other Kingdom Hearts games I never finished was 358 over two days. Uh, after that is Kingdom Hearts 2, which shows how Roxas returns to Sora, plus Xemnas and an artificial Kingdom Hearts. From there, we move on to Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance, which explains the mark of mastery and Sora's close encounter with the darkness. And then we have Kingdom Hearts Coded and Recoded, which dive more into Sora's heart and the theory of time travel used by Xehanort to try and establish the true Organization 13. Finally, we have Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, A Fragmentary Passage, which deals with Aqua's journey through the Realm of Darkness leading up to Kingdom Hearts 3, which is going to be the latest game in the chronological order. So Kingdom Hearts 3 is set after everything that we've already just said. 
and it tells and it, it, it is going to wrap things up more or less from what I understand. So if you had to play How for confusing. these games, huh? How confusing. It's very it's, if you, it's very confusing. It's so dis- it's so disjointed. I'm, I'm glad I watched the video because it, it is disjointed. But what's crazy to think about when Kingdom Hearts one came out in 2002, a lot of this was planned. Not everything was planned. I doubt it. Not every, no, not everything was planned, but a lot of it was planned because of certain things that happened in Kingdom Hearts that didn't make sense until we got to other games. But it made too much sense that it couldn't have been done by accident in Kingdom Hearts one. Sean, what is your experience with Kingdom Hearts 3? This was your idea to do this. You've done a lot of research on this. Like what? Not, I'm not sorry. What not what not what is your experience with Kingdom Hearts 3? But what is your experience with Kingdom Hearts in general? I am a mainline guy. I loved one. I played two with a friend. Um, you know, really, honestly, what it comes down to is I wasn't super into the game to buy all of the shoot offs like I. There was fanatics out there who were like, oh, I love this game so much. I can't believe it. I need more. And I liked it a lot, but I wasn't that guy that was willing to buy the five other games that came out to to see the whole story through, because I just really enjoyed the experience on the main consoles. I didn't really want to play a 3DS title or a mobile title. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I found myself questioning a lot of what I knew, especially since it's been years since I played it, you know, and I thought, okay, well, if people were going to get this game and they're like me who are on the fence, what do they need to know to get back into the game and actually enjoy it and not just, you know, look for question marks to be checked off their list. Right. So I think the biggest things to know moving into Kingdom Hearts three, obviously are like what, why, why it actually exists and and like the whole thing with organization 13 and true organization 13. Now organization 13 is a group of nobodies with power so great that they maintain their human forms Uh, composed of 13 members. Their names are anagrams of their human names with the sigil X placed within. So that's why you have like Xehanort and all that kind of stuff. Like they all have an X in their name, but they're just anagrams of their human names. That's what organization 13 was. And the I first friend, <laughs> basically, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the first six members were all apprentices of Ansem the Wise, who was basically like the guy that if you actually go back and watch the movie that's included in, um, I think it's I think it's in 2.8, I want to say, but it's the one that actually is the movie of like Cross and Unchained Cross, the little like it's like a two and a half hour movie, but it's really interesting to watch. But he's the guy that really started everything. So you end up having these enemies called the Heartless, which spawn when a person loses their heart to darkness. That darkness and that heart is made real and a being of darkness is born from that darkness. So if you remember from Kingdom Hearts 1, when Kyrie's heart was locked away in Sora and all these hearts of the princesses were, you know, all the princesses were asleep in their chambers in uh, Hollow Bastion. Sora took this keyblade that Riku had and plunged it into his own chest, into his heart to unlock his heart, freeing Kairi and all these princesses. But when he did that, he himself, because now he lost his heart, turned into a heartless. And it was actually a really cool moment of the game because you were running through Hollow Bastion trying to get back to the entrance hall and, you know, trying to meet up with Donald, Sora, or I'm sorry, Donald, Goofy and Kairi. And when you get back there, Kyrie realizes that that Heartless is Sora because of the way that he's acting and basically uses her light within to turn him back into a human. 
But it was actually a cool moment to the game because you actually got to play as a heartless for a few minutes and they're able to reproduce by stealing more hearts from people. Um, and, and the heartless are what you fought in Kingdom Hearts one. Now, the nobodies came into play through like Kingdom Hearts two and subsequent games. These are opposite of the heartless known as non beings. So when the owner of a strong heart becomes a heartless, a nobody is born. Most of them have the appearance of white ghosts. But if the owner of an especially strong heart becomes a nobody, they can maintain their human form. While a heartless is a heart lost to the darkness, a nobody is the body and soul that separated from their heart. Uh, they are emotionless, instead using memory and intellect to act as a group. And they definitely are a much more menacing enemy that we saw with Kingdom Hearts 2 than the heartless were. They're definitely more organized. They are they're more meticulous, it seemed like, and they're definitely stronger to an extent. So and I, I looked at this really hard because I didn't understand how some nobodies kind of had emotion and some definitely did not. And it just all deals with the strength of their heart. Exactly. I feel yeah. like it's programming almost like when you look at them and they they're going off of protocol. And when they want to go against the protocol, it really is conflicting and it's really difficult for them, which is kind of something that we see with Axel sometimes. Yes, yes. Axel, who ended up being like he's the one that has the spiky orangish hair. Yeah. Um, he ended up becoming one of like the main characters from Organization 13 and really who originally you thought was like this evil person ended up becoming someone that is actually good and is a major character in the universe now. I, I feel like it's Kingdom Hearts' way of like touching on what as an AI computer would be like. Yeah, like these, I, I can see these that. These characters, they they definitely are playing off old memories. And so that's the foundation of their action and existence. That's what pretty much fuels them and their purpose because they don't otherwise they wouldn't care. Right. But then through interaction with people who have hearts, they get challenged their their uh, I don't know if it's like their protocol or programming kind of tries to get altered a little bit. I, I think we saw that a lot with some of those guys. Absolutely. For better and for worse, right? Some of the Organization 13 members got worse. Absolutely. And 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 the whole thing with Organization 13 is that um, Xehanort really just wanted to create the true Organization 13, which are just 13 clones of him and yeah. who, who, would, who would end up being known as the 13 Seekers of Darkness. And they wanted to clash with the seven Guardians of Light and create the ultimate Keyblade. So he just wanted to basically create all these different versions of himself, which is why we see young Xehanort and Xehanort as he is now. And, you know, the Xehanort incantation in Riku and all these different forms of him. He just wanted there to be so many different and Zigbee or whatever the hell his that guy's name was. Uh, the one with the <laughs> the one with the scar on his face from Kingdom Hearts 2. Uh, that guy technically fused with Xehanort and really was a part of him as well, but only like half. That's why one of his eyes was yellow like Xehanort's and the other was normal. Good segue, though, because when he merges with other people, he kind of steals their appearance sometimes. Right. right? Which is why he's able to look like Riku or, you know, whoever that he is taking their appearance at the time. Also, we talked a little bit about uh, Aqua and Terra, right? Aqua is seriously my favorite character from this series. I love her so much. So Xehanort fuses with Terra, right? And that's how he gets his hair and he looks a little different. Correct. Xehanort fuses with Terra in Birth by Sleep because he wanted to fuse with Ventus, but Ventus was able to, you know, his heart was too strong. So he, he wasn't right. able to corrupt him, but he was able to corrupt Terra. So a lot of people may look at this and go, OK, well, why do Ventus and Roxas look the same? And who are they and right. what do they do? Right. 
what what do you guys think about that? I watched some stuff. I looked at some things. I read some stuff. I still don't quite understand it. Do you guys get it? Yes. So basically, Ventus existed before Sora. And when Ventus's heart was too strong to be corrupted by Xehanort, he was taken to Destiny Island before Sora was born. And there, Ventus's heart eventually became part of Sora when Sora was born. So Ventus is technically a part of Sora. Roxas is a spawn of Sora. So Roxas right. really is like a like a shadow version, so to speak, of Sora. He's the nobody of him, he's, right? He's, he was the nobody. Wasn't he the nobody created when? Correct, correct, he, correct. He, 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 when when he, Sora he, 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 was put into the uh, put into the like the chamber to restore his heart and go back to sleep. That's when Roxas was created. And that's why those two are so intricately linked. And the same way that Shion is a part of um, Namine and they're all just Kyrie. They're all just different versions of Kyrie. Hmm. Like, you know, Shion is basically the nobody version of Kyrie, but Namine is like that version of Kyrie as well. And they all exist within Kyrie. Doesn't Shion like change appearance, like starts to look a little like uh, Sora, starts to look a little like she turns into Sora basically in Kingdom Hearts 2. That's, that's, this game gets so confusing. It, it, it's very confusing. And that's why I say it, it's definitely recommended. And, and I and I and I and I that's why I prefaced our whole discussion by saying we're not really going to, you know, make sense of anything more than just probably confuse you even more. So we're just here <laughs> trying to understand the lore and refresh ourselves, but still have a discussion on it that is probably interesting enough to listen to. But I definitely recommend going out there and checking out a an in-depth video where you can see things because like on an audio on an audio podcast, I'm not able to show you video from these games that we're talking about. But if you go look up a video that someone put a lot of time into on YouTube, you can actually see like, you know, the versions of the game and in the moments of the game that we're talking about where these things happen and all this kind of stuff. So I think today was meant to jog memories and to ask thought provoking things that would in, that would help people look into it more before they get into the game. Because I think that's something that the community, unless you're hardcore into the community, you probably don't remember to do. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, there's a lot of things that we didn't even touch on, like the realm of light. Now we briefly talked about the realm of darkness because of Aqua, who, like I said, man, Aqua actually, is just such a fantastic character. Quick. Yeah. So Xehanort, yes. he's our main bad, he's our main bad guy. That's, Correct. Now, is he he's trying to bring back Kingdom Hearts? That's his. Yes, he is, he is trying to bring back Kingdom Hearts. Now, he obviously he's a being of dark. Yes. Do you think a light version of him exists in Kingdom Hearts? We like, haven't, like, we, haven't we haven't seen it yet, but that's the there's potential for that in Kingdom Hearts three. Maybe like uh, is his name going to be something like Thrain or you know, like uh, obviously your name is a chopped up X version. It's, of it's your an pre- anagram of your former name without the X. Well, hold on. Back up two steps. Originally, he was from Destiny Islands, right? Yes. Yeah, he lived on Destiny. Oh, my God. He- oh my God he's Sora's father. <laughs> <laughs> Sora, I am your father. <laughs> no, nice. Father. Yes. No, he, he lived on Destiny Islands before Riku, Kairi and Sora. Yes. He was one of the original okay. inhabitants of Destiny Island. Right, right. So, you know, it begs the question when we look at this, do we see more origin content and less moving forward. I don't know. You know, I, I, I really think Kingdom Hearts three is going to be all moving forward. I think it's going to be the story of everything that's happened so far wrapped up into a game like and, and we're going to be tying some loose ends together. 
that's what I understand. But like from the from the brief bit of narrative that I've seen from the trailers, but right. there could be stuff in there that's more origin related. I have no idea. But I also don't think Kingdom Hearts 3 is the last Kingdom Hearts game we're going to see. I really I, I, I want a somewhat of a logical ending to Kingdom Hearts 3. You could obviously go forward past a logical ending you know, with a new story, but uh, I, I want some closure. It's been forever. I want there just to be something, you know, because you, you know, they have to unlock all the secret videos each time and you have to like find all the, you know, the ants and reports or whatever that you need to look for in this game. And, and Kingdom Hearts 3, it's pictures. So you have to find these much like in Disneyland and Disney World. You're looking for hidden Mickeys in the background of the game. Things that make up Mickey Mouse's appearance, you know, the two ears, two, two ears and a face. And you have to take pictures using your Kingdom Hearts 3 version of a smartphone. And depending on what difficulty level you're playing on, it determines how many of those hidden Mickeys you have to find in the world to see the secret video at, after the game. Oh, it's a bit of a Pokemon snapper. Yeah. Kind of so you, anytime you see something that even remotely resembles Mickey Mouse's face, you definitely want to take a picture of it in case it's used to unlock the secret video. I hope that I, I agree with you and I hope that there is a closing to it that kind of gives us some closure on some of the things we've experienced in some of the past games. But I really do want there to be a cliffhanger and I do want there to be a teaser in that secret video or even just at the end of the game in general to give us an idea of maybe where the series is going to go in the future, because I want to know that it's not done. It's not done. I, I know mean, it's not done, but I want to know that it's not done. Tr trust me, the, the enemy of the next game is going to be Thanos, OK? <laughs> <laughs> Man, playing through Kingdom Hearts 1 though, over the past week, you know what I absolutely hate? The gummy ship stuff. <laughs> oh, my gosh, dude. That was the one thing that I could never really get on board I with. Absolutely. Cannot stand that mechanic in the game. And even still to this day, like everything about it, I just I hate it. I hate it so much. I never upgrade my ships. I didn't upgrade my ship at all. And when my most recent play through Kingdom Hearts one, I literally kept the ship the same. I created uh, the, the Ultra Wang. OK, because uh, because I'm because I'm childish. Sure. The ultra wing. <laughs> I don't like the mechanic. I hate it. I think it was shoehorned into the first game as just a, a way to explain the transition between stages. Yeah, they, because... they hadn't figured it out yet. They yeah, hadn't two, figured it out. Two exactly. Did it better. Two, two gave you a fast travel uh, if you've been somewhere before. So you'd have to like constantly drive back and forth. But right. And and I think that's because I played the final mix version in, in the, uh, you know, the one point five uh, compilation of it. And final mix has once you've been to the world once you can warp to them. So it's definitely better. You don't have to fly to it every single time. Well, didn't the first game you went to the overworld map of the universe and to go to a new world, you had to fly through a gummy level and yeah. actually play it. And then once you did it, you could fly back on the overworld, just like if you were moving between them on the screen. Correct. You didn't have that's, to play a that's, stage. That's the way it was in Final Mix. I couldn't remember if that was the same way and do the base game or not. Right. So, I mean, unlocking the worlds, that was a cool feature. But the gummy ship was never talked about in any other fashion. It would have been cooler if it was actually part of something in the story, if it if it had some meaning to the game or like, oh, at the end of it, the only way we can get to the final level is to go through the gummy level and like, uh, you know, it's actual story element. It's not just flying through doing like an asteroid mania type thing or right. Uh, a Star Fox wannabe. I don't know. Well, they eventually tied it together by this term known as the ocean between, which is every world in the realm of light floats in the space known as the ocean between uh, which is also otherwise known as the Star Ocean, which is a totally another franchise in general, but still. 
Uh, love Star Wars still square. Games. Still square. Yeah, so they can it. they can get away with it. But yeah, I, I totally love Star Wars as well. Great game, great franchise. But uh, yeah, the the ocean between is what you navigate through with the gummy ship to get to other worlds. So can we talk about how great and poetic this game is? And then the Disney elements are just kind of silly. It's so funny to watch them come together. Like the, the guy who writes the Disney this elements is are shoehorned in. in. <laughs> yeah. They're shoehorned in that sometimes they, they don't even they make like I almost prefer Kingdom Hearts without Disney and that. But that's just me. You know what? Hey, oh. and that brings up a great topic that I want to talk about real quick. The the biggest injustice of these side games and people not playing them is learning about the Disney part. Yeah, like, like the, the like King Mickey story is so good. It is I good. Have, I had no idea. It is good, but I think it takes away from the Kingdom Hearts story at the same time. I think the the square elements of the game were more shoehorned in than the Disney parts. Um, like I think they, I, I, I think they both. I think they both are. I think they both Aaron. are. I think they both Traverse are. Town is just Square's way of including all the uh, it's, IPs final, it's Final Fantasy were. Land. Yeah, but it's <laughs> it's all of the Final Fantasy worlds that got destroyed and they collected together. It would be nice if we got to. OK, I, spoiler alert, guys. Kingdom Hearts, there's time travel. Of okay. course, there is. that's how Xehanort's trying to make his true organization 13. It would be great if they actually could time travel back to old Final Fantasy IP worlds and yes. experience playing there. That's what I always wanted, dude. Like, I, you know how we have these Disney worlds. I always wanted to go to Midgard or something. I wanted to go to a Final Fantasy world. And I was kind of awesome. I was kind of hoping we would get to in three and we don't. And that sucks. And uh, I was kind of hoping for more mainline Final Fantasy tie ins too. like, yes, I don't know if six really has a representative. That's my favorite Final Fantasy. There's a lot of Final Fantasy seven in there. Yuffie, Aerith, Leon is from eight. Cloud, Yuffie, Yuffie is Sephiroth, seven. Cloud is seven. 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 Sid is from all of them, but he's mainly in seven. Sid is from all of them, but he has the seven look to him. I'm calling it now. Rydia will be in this game. No, Rydia won't be in the game. I think they're tapped on Final Fantasy characters. I really do. Who else? Oh, um, uh, Titus and Waka were on Destiny Island from 10. That's awesome. Forgot about that. I think they missed the mark on that. I think they could have really expanded the franchise more. But the good news is the franchise stands on its own now. It doesn't need to borrow from Square anymore. They've that was the goal all along was to make that feel. It's kind of like when they did the Super Mario RPG and they wanted to make an RPG out of a, a different kind of property. And so they did it with Nintendo and it worked. But this integration that they have, I think, is a lot better. I really enjoy it. And I don't think they need to borrow from any more IPs from Square to make it happen. So I agree. It's disappointing to see, but it's still good. I agree. And I looked it up as you were talking and I found a full list of all the Final Fantasy characters in the Kingdom Hearts games from all of them, not just one and two. So we have Set- me. we have Setzer from six. So Setzer's in there somewhere. Awesome. Uh, Yuffie from seven, Aerith from seven, Cloud from seven, Sid from seven, Tifa from seven. Sephiroth from seven, Zack from Crisis Core, Final Fantasy seven, Squall, which is Leon from eight, Cypher, Rajan and Fusion from eight, uh, Selfie from eight, Vivi from nine, Titus and Waka from 10, Oron from 10, Yuna, Riku and Pain from 10 too, Moogles and Wants from 10, and then obviously Jesse, Biggs and Wedge, who are basically in a ton of different games and Final Fantasy games. But they do set up in Final Fantasy six, the beginning. Correct. Yeah, they're definitely in the beginning of six, but more more prominent in seven as members of Avalanche. So, right. 
Yeah. And hey, you know what? Can we take a quick side avenue? The sprite for Setzer in Kingdom Hearts is amazing. Oh, why dude, aren't it's they so making good. why aren't they making a six remake with these amazing updates? Yeah. I agree. They're missing the boat. I agree. Much like I think Atlas is missing the boat with Persona 3's remake because of how the new models we got with Persona 3 dancing. I think Persona 3 could make a fantastic new game in 2019 or 2020 with a remake of that. Like there's just when you create a new model for a character, or a new sprite, it's really not being used the way it should be if it's not being done for a remake of the game because it's, just, it's too good to not do it. It's too good. I don't know. Agreed. I'm confused now. I'm more I'm more confused than I was when we started. <laughs> yeah, I think I the main more, idea behind I have more this questions and I have answers <laughs> really was just to talk about the things that were exciting and and things that we could really hype up the game, but also just to rehash some stuff to think about it in a different way, because I think the Kingdom Hearts games were really meant for us as an audience. It seems kiddish. It seems very immature, but the game is so intense. Like little kids that played this game, I guess the gummy ship was for them, but everything else was for us. We can really enjoy it. And we grew up with it and it's exciting. I think that's the fun part of it. Perfect. And that just gets me amped up for tomorrow. When we'll be able to jump into Kingdom Hearts three. Sean, I know you're not picking it up tomorrow when it comes out, but uh, hopefully hopefully you can at least check out some Twitch streams. Hopefully you can at least check out the game. Is Kyle streaming it? Is he a Kingdom Hearts fan? I don't think he's going to do it, but the only reason why I'm not playing this game is because I don't own the console. Right. Otherwise, you'd be playing it. (laughs) Otherwise, I'd be it. Yeah. Once we once we make it big, dude, I'm gifting you a PS4. Do not screw me, Amazon. (laughs) <laughs> yeah frank will get his copy on friday i'll have mine on tuesday <laughs> but uh my, my goal in the future is to gift sean a ps4 just so he can play some of these games <laughs> you know what i could go get one tomorrow but i'm really trying to hold out to the five i really I, am i know but if i if i ever have the funds dude i'm getting you a four because you i mean i want you to include it especially since you're on the show so i think it was a few weeks ago i actually told brian to go Goddamn Amazon told me that I'm not getting Kingdom Hearts 3 until January 29th. I can't believe they're delaying it on me. Yeah, I didn't realize you, thought, was... you thought it came out on the 25th. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so you're you're pissed off that they're giving it to you on release day? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, so. Nice. I'll admit that. Yeah. that. Uh, you know why? Because because they, they have a track record of screwing me. So. They do. They do. They do. But uh, hey, you know what that music means? It's time we oh, move yeah. on from this. And it's time we do a little kickstart my heart. Or I have something that, Frank, I think you might actually want to pledge to just like you did last week. So we have an expansive 2D puzzle platformer set in the realm of gods and spirits, where dreams are the fabric of reality and souls are reborn. The name of the game is Evergate. Lost in the realm of gods and spirits, where dreams are the fabric of reality and souls are reborn, as I just said, on the path to reincarnation, souls must shed their worldly memories. But you have refused to give up your past. A kindred spirit has ignited the flame inside of you. Evergate is an expansive 2D puzzle platformer featuring a unique align to shoot mechanic. Unleash your soul flame and harness energy trapped within crystals to solve puzzles, find lost memories, and save your kindred spirit. Players guide a childlike soul named Key, I'm assuming that's how you say that, on her journey through the afterlife. This modern fable was inspired by movies, games, and legends we love. It draws from the wonders of the never-ending story, the hand-drawn aesthetic of Child of Light, and the Greek myth of Orpheus's descent into the underworld. And it does remind me a lot of the graphical style and the way the game plays of Ori and the Will of the Wisps and Ori oh, and the Black absolutely. Forest. 
Uh, so you have a heartwarming epic spanning life and death in space and time, 100 plus puzzles with open-ended solutions, which is really cool, 10 plus crystals with unique powers that can be creatively combined, mythical afterlife steeped in lore, colossus battles against the gods and nightmares come to life, hand-drawn artwork creates wonder in every moment, and a rich soundtrack evokes the magic of Key's journey. So what is this soul flame? Legend tells that the gods forge each soul's heart, its flame, from the ancient power of the source. But it's the unique connection to your kindred spirit that has ignited your soul flame and awakened the source inside of you. Align crystals between you and the source and fire your soul flame to unleash their extraordinary powers. Use these powers to reach the unreachable, confront your foes, and banish the nightmares of your past back to the shadows. There are more than 10 different types of crystals, each with a unique ability. Combine multiple crystals for even a greater effect. And they're showing you some of the ways you can do it by like blasting through these shadow walls or launching yourself forward by shooting a crystal and, you know, compelling your, or blowing yourself backwards. It seems really cool. And the big reason why I think you're going to enjoy this, Frank, is the puzzles. Evergate blends cerebral puzzles with skill based execution. The goal of each puzzle is to reach the gate at the end however you can. Some players may opt for a straightforward route, while others will strive for the more difficult complete solution using every crystal. This offers challenges for casual and hardcore gamers alike. All of Evergate's puzzles are open-ended. These create playground. These creative playgrounds encourage experimentation and embrace a spirit of trial and error. Messed up your jump? See a more fun solution? Hold the reset button to quickly try a new approach. A second player can control Key's spiritual guide. Friends and family can join Key on her adventure and work through the puzzles alongside you. It seems interesting. This seems really good. I don't know. I think words don't do it justice. Watching yeah, the you actual got, you gift. gotta see this game, dude. It's so good yeah. looking. This game is gorgeous. You have to get it on a $225 level. And that would get us what? It is right up your alley. Ready this? You create a character's backstory, so you help them design the history of one of the lost souls of the afterlife. So you could actually create, you know, a manifestation of yourself or like level down games in this game. Can you, dude, I, I would, I'd be a good character. You, God, I hate you so much. Uh, and you do that, and then, and then, and, you give, and then you give me all the physical rewards because I want the T-shirt and the plushie. What if, what if my character became the most talked-about thing from the game, and it spawned its own game? Uh, exactly. The, 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 the spin-off, Super Brian Tale. <laughs> Super Brian Tale. <laughs> okay, I think you guys should just convince the developers to have. A character with glorious hair and a bandana on fighting with Hell a luchador yeah. the whole time. That would yeah. be great. The luchador would have to be like the 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 sidekick because it's what he always was and still is. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 you know, even though he's not with us anymore, you know, I'm telling the luchador. Fired. The luchador would have like a like a ground pound slam that shakes the screen. Oh, because he's fat. <laughs> Do you, do you think his shirt wouldn't fit all the way either, so his belly button stuck out? Probably. Oh, Probably. Kind, of, kind, kind of like Juan from Guacamelee. <laughs> <laughs> which really isn't, which really is a video game version of El Frank Caro. It really is. <laughs> Just you wait. He's going he's, he's gonna, to he's gonna be on the next episode of this uh, podcast. Just you wait and see. No. Oh, uh, dang. So, so the cheapest, the cheapest here you can get it at is $15 to get you a digital copy of the game on Steam. It's expected to release sometime fall 2019. They're saying November 2019, but we'll just say fall. And they're already almost at their goal. They're looking for 25,000 US dollars at the time of recording. They're sitting at 20.5,000. So uh, make it. yeah, they're absolutely going to make it. There's 19 days to go. So they're definitely going to make it. This game's going to uh, come out. And Frank, are you pledging or are you going to wait? I 
Yeah, I'll, I'll pledge. I would have liked if I could have got my name in the credits for cheaper. I mean, I gotta go sixty bucks to get my name in the credits. I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about that. I I know. Maybe it's maybe it's a vanity thing, but I do pledge to a lot of stuff. I know. On, on Kickstarter, and you get our, you get uh, our so, name out there because of it. <laughs> I mean. It, I'm, 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 I'm kicking some money out there. I want my name in these games. Well, not my name. Loving on games in these games. You know, it's... And as, as we mentioned before originally, if our name is in the credits, we will not actually review the game. We'll talk about it. But we won't actually do a critique because, you know, our, our name is in the credits. So it's it's only right. It's, it's, it's fair to critique because we're not making anything off the game. We're not... There's no... We have no vested interest other than we're fans supporting something, so... Sure, but I don't know that I ever put up an actual review for it just because of that. But, I mean, I, we would definitely talk about it on the show. But uh, I, I want to avoid any type of thing like that that could come up in the future. I don't know. The credibility, the conflict of interest. Yeah, I want to avoid all that stuff. But we can definitely talk about the games on the show, which we've said before. I mean, the first time you put our names in the credit of a game, uh, we, we mentioned that. So I want to just mention it again for anyone that's recently joined us because our, our podcast is ever growing every week. And, you know, we thank you for that, for keeping our keeping our podcast on a continual uphill climb it's awesome i wonder i wonder if temtem's gonna let me have my name in the, in the credits twice since i got the double tier i don't know Ooh. i don't know tell frank so, carl and frank no it'll be leveled i always put level down games uh oh. but it'll be leveled down games and it might even be like max level there you go or or, or bg mania i don't know who knows or you can put out frank carol he doesn't get credit Okay, Frank's the one spending money. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, Sean, do you think this game looks good? Obviously, you said you did with the good. emotions, but uh, something you'd play? I'd play it, but I'm not going to buy it until it comes out. Of course, yeah. I know you don't really pledge to these things. You kind of wait for them to release, but uh, I think this game looks great. I think this looks awesome. And uh, the soundtrack, I'm, I'm assuming, is going to be pretty stellar with these types of games. I kind of wish there... And there is no like preview of the soundtrack like some of these kickstarters will give you and there's no indication of what some stretch goals might be so we do know that mr miller is the composer and he was inspired by games like final fantasy 7 and sonic the hedgehog so we have to assume that the soundtrack will be pretty freaking cool i think the soundtrack in these types of games has to be cool it's the only way to hook somebody into the experience because it's not like we haven't seen something like this before we've seen a, a 2d platformer with puzzles absolutely right absolutely so <laughs> Um, again, check it out on Kickstarter.com. The game is known as Evergate. But I do think that's going to bring us to the close of the show this week. Unless you have anything else, either of you, that you want to talk about before we get on out of here. Yeah, two two seconds here. Yeah, um, go for it. I don't I don't think you sound that old when you say iTunes, because I literally called two people this week for my job and they had Magic Jack. So <laughs> I think you're in good shape, bro. <laughs> okay, okay. I appreciate it. God, I forgot about Magic Jack, dude. The thing you used to be able to, like, have a landline phone from your PC. Use Magic Jack. <laughs> They're self, they have the jitterbug cell phones. Yeah. Yeah. So, cool. Hey, speaking of that, they've been bringing back a lot of retro Geico commercials. And it made me think of you, Frank. Like, the Bob We Had a Baby Eats a Boy. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I can remember when... I do believe it was Star Wars Episode One came out, so I was in high school. That makes me old. Um, old bastard. <laughs> episode Episode One came out, and that that commercial was out. The Bob we had to eat a boy. So I called one eight hundred collect to have my father come pick me up. And, <laughs> and, uh, but my name was Hey Dad, it's me. 
and get me at the movie theater. And he didn't come and get me, and I had to walk like six miles. <laughs> but that's totally your dad, dude. He just probably hung up like this. This fucking idiot thinks he's gonna come get him. <laughs> yeah, he probably, that, that, he didn't, that, didn't even accept the call. He, Denied. He, he he let me skip school that morning. He drove me to the movie theater. He did not give me a ride home. Love you, Dad. Oh. God. Nice. Do you remember Clint calling though? That was crazy. Yeah, no, I didn't actually think about that. Yeah. What about like 10, 10, 220? <laughs> you get a collect call for what was it like $10 for 20 minutes or something like that? Or what was the thing where you used to be able to call uh, the UK with like 1 800 445 How do you even remember that? Do you remember Cause that? Because they, they said it so many times on. <laughs> was it? It's drilled into your head forever. Yeah. There's, okay. There are two things that I miss when it comes to like watching TV and programming. And one is the stereo commercials. Like you remember when you watched WWF and it was like, this segment's brought to you by the Tower of Power by JVC. Three tower powers with sub over power. And you're like, oh yeah, I want that. And then lugs came on and you had to get the lugs boots, right? <laughs> yeah. I miss that so bad, but also the phone commercials and like all that stuff, you don't see that anymore. Kids these days don't understand what the struggle was. Yeah. You know, cell phones ruin everything. You had to call a girl's house. You had to ask her dad if she was home. Oh, kick to the nuts. Had to had to get past the gatekeepers. Yep. Had to get past the the gatekeeper. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, man, I can't I can't remember the amount of times I called one eight hundred four. I think it was four four five five six six seven, and that was like the directory over in the UK, and. Back when I was in elementary school, in like the the early to mid '90s, we used to just prank call it, and we'd call and ask for random people, and they'd get so pissed. But I understand why now. But I thought it was so funny then, just like calling the UK, and it was free, it was toll free, not an 800 number. But uh, it was just the funniest thing. I don't know, dude. I had a neighbor who did movie phone all the time, and I thought he was so cool. <laughs> And then I remember the party line. He was on the party line. He would sit outside oh my on his God, the party lines, on yeah. the curb and call the party line. I'd be like, let me talk to him. And then you get on, you don't know what the heck's going on. And uh, the rejection hotline, the it's, best. What it, happened to that? It's so crazy to think like literally that was only what? 20 years ago that all this shit was uh, happening. Only. Only. We're getting old. Now I'm, now I'm bald and I have a mortgage. <laughs> getting old, man. It sucks. <laughs> But uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. We want to thank you for sticking with us and listening to another episode of Max Level, made possible by leveldowngames.com. And thanks again to Dance with the Dead for all the awesome music. Regardless of the podcast service you're listening through, be sure to show your support by leaving a rating and a review, especially if you're listening through Apple Podcasts. We'd also be grateful if you could drop on over to youtube.com forward slash leveldowngames and subscribe to our channel there if you haven't already. And while you're at it, hit up twitch.tv slash leveldowngames and click that follow button. Stalking us on social media is perfectly acceptable. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook will be the place to do it. Check that description box for the appropriate links. Until next week, keep gaining experience until you reach max level. Level.